I'm Alec Baldwin, and you are listening to Mission Daily, selected as Best of 2018 by Apple. Mission Daily is the number one podcast for accelerated learning. All right, everyone, welcome back to Mission Daily. I'm Chad Grills. I'm joined by Stephanie Postles. Steph, what's up? How much? How's it going, everyone? Hey, how are you doing? I was waiting for everybody's responses. Oh, I was wondering, like, that's a long pause you just gave me. Which they will be soon because, like it or not, we're going to start recording this and we're going to start having call-ins. However we have to structure it, we're going to make it happen. Can we Um, get a landline? I want text-ins and call-ins, and I think Dylan's closing in on being able to make this happen. So we'll have one central number. And we can give the number out and people can text in to the show at any time and we'll let people know. We'll give them a heads up about when we're recording it. Um, so, yeah, we need to get that released into the wild right now. I'm ready. As long as people just call in with nice things. No, no, no. That's the fun of it. I don't want any little meanies them. calling in. No, no, no. That, that's what's been great about changing up the newsletter format and the uh, daily podcast format because we uh, we had some first um, wave haters, I would call them. I, they, they started to come in. And uh, I'll be honest, they're coming faster than I've ever seen them come before. And it's pretty fun to start to read, read some of this stuff. And uh, the one guy yesterday was like, he was like, yeah, you need to keep your CEO locked up in the, the executive washroom. I don't want to read this hippie. He's like, I don't want to read this hippie, hippie BS or something like that. <laughs> hippie little juju. First and of I was all. Like, Excuse me, sir. Like, first of all, we're recording this in a garage. We don't even have a bathroom in here, let alone <laughs> an executive washroom, which sounds very elegant wherever you're calling from. I'm sure. You're uh, a banking executive that's had a really wonderful life working uh, 100 hour weeks and you're probably estranged from your family and children. So did he send that, that email to you or <laughs> no, to no. our info account? No, no it's just uh, on social. Yeah. But that stuff, you don't like getting that stuff? No. I love getting I, that stuff. I actually just got really defensive of you when you said you got hate mail from your newsletter. And I was like, excuse me, sir. I will. Oh, that's. Oh, that boy's going to hear from me. I'm going to email no, him back. What, <laughs> that's yeah. That's what lets you know you're on the right track. All right. Well, let's talk about. Um, so, yeah, this week on Monday, we did a new newsletter format where uh, I had Chad come in and take it over. So our team usually writes the newsletter and Chad just did it from start to finish this time to talk about some of the topics that have been on his mind, which is very different than the rest of our team, apparently, because we got a lot of feedback saying I'd say most people love it, except for your haters on social, which. Yeah. So, I mean, I broke out of the executive washroom and uh, wrote a newsletter that I was excited about. Uh, I just been thinking a little bit lately about uh, event horizons and because of a couple of interviews I did before I was talking to Doug Merritt, the CEO of Splunk, and we were just uh, before we started recording and then during and a little bit after we we're just talking about how the emergence of human language was the first singularity that our species really faced um, in the true definition of a singularity. And from an, ele- uh, an evolutionary time scale, this is really interesting because um you know, so often we fall into the trap of near-term thinking where we worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or next month or maybe even ne- the next 1,000 years. And when in reality, like the emergence of human language, I don't even know how long it, it took, but it took thousands of years. And, you know, a singularity unfolds over thousands of years in our species. Uh, if we're talking about like a biological singularity, like the emergence of human language, which is a technology, um, that took thousands of years. So, we can't expect artificial general intelligence or really that all of our problems are going to be solved. It's going to take thousands of years basically to solve them. And right now, a lot of people are thinking like, oh, the singularity is going to come in. It's just going to replace us. When in reality, 
the singularity can't happen fast enough. Like the next biological singularity needs to, to happen really, really fast. Otherwise, we're kind of screwed as a species. So yeah, I've just been thinking about these topics. Yeah, so maybe um, to back it up a bit. So when you put out the newsletter, you had the three E words, which for anyone who wants to see a really funny introduction to the newsletter, it was hilarious. Go mm-hmm. check it out. It's a newsletter from Monday. Um, half I can do our, a variant, yeah. It made I half mean, the of our team time, uncomfortable. Well, the last time I saw so much E, I was at Coachella, so. Okay, you ruined it. I wanted them to go see the newsletter and laugh, <laughs> give a good LOL for themselves. There's so many E's. But that's how Chad introduced the newsletter. And so the three E's are extinction. Kind of lame or no, it's kind, funny. Of, kind of funny. I don't know. That's no, funny. The three E's are evolution, extinction, and event horizon. I think I put them out of order, though. It's extinction, evolution, and event horizons in that order. It can be in whatever order you want. Well, I like the order before because you said extinction is like, we don't want to go there. Yeah, it's kind of like a compliment sandwich for disturbing topics. So, yeah, yeah. because you said 99.9% of all life that has appeared on Earth is now extinct and we don't want to be in that bucket. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the history is uh, brutal, right? Uh, So often people think of nature as this benevolent force and it's uh, not, it's just extremely brutal. So it's an open question as to if we're going to uh, survive this and all the odds are stacked against us. Uh, Now we are a relatively new species and uh, mammals seem to be highly adaptable. Um, However, it seems a bit absurd that a lot of these topics aren't in our daily conversation or that our research universities aren't all trying to figure out ways to stop existential threats uh, to humanity. I think that's, um, we must be a species that's in our infancy if our all of our efforts are directed towards like uh, what they are basically. So then after evolution, moving into event horizon. So we put the dictionary definition on here, but I feel like it might a little bit differ from how you think about it. So mm-hmm. the actual definition says a theoretical boundary around a black hole beyond which no light or other radiation can escape. And this is a point of no return. Yeah. That's, how do you view that? Uh, so there are many uh, points of no return for different types of species. So if we look to the emergence of Homo sapiens sapiens, there were whatever it was like four or five other hominids that were similar to us. And then the emergence of Homo sapiens sapiens was different. I would say we're the first uh, variant of Homo sapiens to actively use our imagination and perturb our imagination. And that allowed us to start getting this concept of a thing called the future. And then using stories, we were able to uh, get a large number of other people to agree on what the future should be and then work in collaboration with them to achieve that shared vision of the future. And, you know, so that was a very radical divergence from what the other Homo sapiens at the time were likely doing. Their daily habits, rituals, and behaviors were uh, not conducive to evolution. I don't think it was the case that uh, we have that violent of a past. Like, I don't think we went around and murdered all of the other species. I hope not. Um, But I think it was rather the the fact that we had the superpower, which was um, basically the ability to uh, predict to envision a future we wanted to create and then uh, actually live in it. Got it. So then for an event horizon, when it's talking about the point of no return, though, that's a good thing. That's saying that you don't want to return back to that place. You you have to uh, cut off retreat. And when you you make a new decision at at a certain point in time, you can no longer go back um, just by nature of the experience that happens. Uh, You know, and evolution is likely the result of trauma. Basically, it's all the trauma that didn't kill us. And in the past, you know, lives were short 
and they were just horribly traumatic. And that trauma got passed on from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. So, you know, our past is really just this uh, horror story of um, abuse. And so I guess now the, the really on, the only way we can start to envision new futures is just to stop as much abuse as we humanly can in our own lives and the lives of others, and then really start to work on processing and understanding how generational trauma affects genetics, epigenetics, and uh, the genes that we pass down to our children. Yeah. So what is an event horizon in your mind right now where you say, we want to be the type of people who believes in the event horizon, seeks them out, and then goes through them? What's an example of an event horizon right now that we should be either that you're seeking out or that you have found and that you're trying to push through right now or think, that you see culture doing? Yeah, I think uh, synthetic biology is, is one, and we might even call that something like uh, symbiosis. And I think that many people are exploring the idea now that, you know, their normal consciousness is unders- undesirable. So they're figuring out new ways to like perturb it, stimulate it, and basically modify it so it's uh, tolerable and then conducive to uh, doing great work. And they're doing that through, you know, a variety of substances, namely caffeine, uh, alcohol, you know, sugar. These are all things that are, you know, drugs. They're super, super addictive. And so people are trying to get the balances right. However, our bodies are so, so complicated that getting that balance right is nearly impossible unless you're a trained biologist and statistician. Uh, unless you are all these things, you're not and a psychologist and a, uh, you know, a business person and someone who can, um, you know, has been through therapy themselves. You start stacking all the things that are necessary to actually just understand the input that you should be putting into your body for optimal functioning. And you realize like, wow, this is a world of staggering complexity. But if I can start to be the scientist and director of my own life, maybe I can start to explore it and get to places that I didn't know were possible. Or maybe life can become so much more fun than I currently think now. And it's, you know, evolution is kind of, we're never going to get there unless all of us hold out hope hope that that perfect state of mind and being in life is uh, possible and then just work every single day like crazy to achieve it or at least explore if it's something that you you want you know because you can test out new futures too and you can back out or take steps to back out but sometimes though you might pass a point of no return where you just realize okay i'm all in i'm committing to this got it so then after we find seek out and choose those event horizons and then yeah go through them the next step in my mind anyways, is evolution, which was your third point, because you have to choose and go through the event horizons to then evolve and never look back at, you know, how things were done in the past. However, you also said, what if the secrets to the future of human evolution are hidden in the past? And you were referencing Graham Hancock's work, I think his book, America Before, The Key to Earth's Lost Civilization. Yeah, that's his uh, newest one. But his uh, the book that actually sold the most copies was his first book, I think. And it was called Fingerprints of the Gods. Um, that was back in 1991, and he basically looked at evidence on the sphinx of water erosion and said, okay, this water erosion is this deep, and he was building on the work of uh, previous Egyptologists, and they analyzed it and said, okay, this was actually not created by the Egyptians. Um, this was something that they fell onto and basically built around because they were in awe of it, and it's actually much, much older than anybody thinks, and at the time, he just got made fun of. People had like all kinds of smear campaigns against him. And now it's not only is that 
vindicated. I, although that, that's pretty controversial. People would dispute that. It, it's, it's what are not, they disputing? The Sorry. The actual age of the uh, Egyptian ruins, the Sphinx, the pyramids, things like that. Got it. Um, they're actually much older than people think. And there were a number of other archaeological sites around the world that Graham Hancock either referenced or he had gone to and he had observed them and said, yeah, I think human history and prehistory is actually much older than people think that the church has maybe erased large portions of our past, which again is like something that's very controversial. Uh, However, there does seem to be some evidence that suggests it's a plausible theory. And uh, so his, his work is fascinating and we should probably do like a whole week on his work and just walking readers through it because this is the type of thing that uh, should be taught as history because it's kind of like history as investigative journalism. And unless we view our, you know, subjects that we study like history as things that can be open-ended and evolving, then it's worthless. Like if we have closed systems, uh, closed systems inevitably stop working um, because of entropy. Whereas like open systems, I think, I think that's, correctly defined probably not probably need to go back to Richard Feynman but yeah no that sounds right I mean I think that's a good point too about things are always evolving and having you know hard copy books in the classrooms and things like that that's Mm -hmm. just a way to keep people stuck in the past when new evidence comes out that shows maybe that's not the case anymore and you shouldn't be teaching everyone you know here's when the earth was started or civilization was started during this time yeah nobody knows anything that's the best mantra is that nobody knows anything and the uh the second people start claiming that things are uh you know, fundamentally true and like you can't question them. That's the beginning of stagnation and uh, just, yeah, chaos because people don't redefine the words they use. And obviously the words we use are imperfect and they're not what we actually mean. They're just what we're, uh, try, you know, trying to articulate. And that's a, that's a long ways away from what people mean. Agree. So when I'm looking through one little final pass of our newsletter that we put out on Monday, I really like this one quote that you put in there that I'm actually going to add to Twitter after this. It says, event horizons can be scary because by their nature, we can't see past them until we are there. Sometimes the unknown stops people from even trying or worse yet, they go extinct with the answer to save themselves clutched in their hands. That's a good call to action. I really like that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. The answers are known at this point, right? It's just a matter of, uh, yeah, are we going to create technology fast enough and good things fast enough? Or are we just going to live in the mediocre and uh, negative and dystopian creations of others? And I'm yeah, not going to do the latter. Love it. Do you want to hear some feedback from our one of our subscribers? I thought it'd be fun to give them yeah. a shout out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this is nice feedback. I'm not giving okay. shout outs to the mean little haters. So this one is from, let me see. This one's from David. He says, I love your new format and content focus. I love this stuff. Finally, someone is talking about the right stuff, evolution, and the continuous occurrence of all kinds of event horizons that inevitably accompany media revolutions. I'd be curious to see you do an investigation of Marshall McLuhan's famous... McLuhan. What is it? McLuhan? McLuhan. Okay. His famous tetrad of media effects. Did I say that right? Yeah. (laughs) And how it might help us predict and visualize technological media event horizons as they continuously emerge. He has a long thing about McLuhan. And I think you were saying um, that we were actually going to do a whole theme week on him, right? Yeah. Um, You remember back in the day when I uh, was showing you the designs for like a new type of social network and right and excuse me, why I said it would work because of the um, Girardian like uh, like premise that it was run- running on. Mm-hmm. So I'm not familiar with the McLuhan's tetrad of media effects, but I suspect it's something similar. So I'm going to go do some homework, uh, read some McLuhan, and then hopefully we can put together a theme week about that because 
yeah, I've definitely been fascinated by his work. I haven't examined the tetrad of media effects, but I, I should. So yeah, let's let's put that together. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, David, for sending us that nice note. I didn't read the whole entire thing, um, but yeah, that's a good call for us to go and look into that a bit more and maybe do a few episodes on it. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. All right. That's it. That's it. And uh, thanks for listening. See you next time. Mission.org is a media company with a daily newsletter, network of podcasts, and brand studio designed to accelerate learning. Head to mission.org to get award-winning podcasts like The Mission Daily, The Story, IT Visionaries, Education Trends, Marketing Trends, Future of Cities, and more. Mission Studios has worked with companies like Salesforce, Twilio, and Katera to create custom media channels that drive results. Make sure to subscribe to the Mission's daily newsletter at mission.org. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.